What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and of course, today I am joined by my two incredible co-hosts. You're probably saying to yourself, hey, who's that good-looking guy down there? And he's back again. Yes, that's right. Kind of Funny best friend and friend of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Paris is back. Paris, I'll start with you before I talk to those normal two. How are you, Paris? It's great to have you back on the show. I'm great. I'm great. And it is an absolute honor to be here with the great Gary Witta. So thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I guess the last thank time you. you were here, no Gary. That, that's, uh, that that um, definitely makes up for the fact that when Mike was saying talking about the good looking guy, I really thought he was going to toss to me. <laughs> he, di- he didn't. Uh, but we made it up on the back end. Thank you. More, how, more, let's go with this. How, who are those good-looking guys? Let's oh, go with there that. you go. How yeah. about that? Let, All right. Let's run it up. Well, let's actually talk about somebody incredible here sharing a cool piece of life news with us. I think yesterday, let's go over to our nomad, Alana, inside of Cyberpunk, the video game. We have Paris. We got Alana. We got you two Cyberpunk 2077 diehards. Alana, let's start with you being in the video game. How freaking cool is that? Yeah, it's super exciting. I'm still pinching myself because, uh, look, I was a huge fan of this game absolutely regardless, right? So, like, it's, like, completely irrelevant that I'm in it. I'm, I am super into cyberpunk. Um, and they approached me about it at E3 two years ago. I think it would have been over two years ago. I was still at IGN at the time. So it's been, like, something that I've had to hold on to for a really long time. Finally getting to announce it was really cool. Uh, yeah, I can't say anything about my quest or anything, but they did uh, take photos of me to model my character in the game. It's not actually me. I definitely play a character. It's not my personality. That's totally worth noting. But such a cool experience. So excited. And um, was totally blown away by the positive reception as well. I, like, weirdly didn't think people would care. I thought people would be like, oh, cool. But it's been, like, overwhelmingly positive. It's been it's been awesome. Um, I think I'll probably cry when I see it. So, What did you do for the voice? Just my voice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've actually largely done British voices in all of my VO work. Uh, but, like, majority of the time, it's an English accent. But this one was literally just my voice. That is specifically what they wanted. Um, but I also think I do the worst job of acting with my own voice. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I find it way easier if I'm doing an accent. Uh, so this one was one of the hardest VO sessions I've ever had. Um, I can't even say why, but I walked out and I was like, whew, that was tough. Uh, very difficult. And I feel like I'll be able to explain why when the game comes out. Very cool, Alana. Well, let's kick it over to our other cyberpunk guy over here, Paris. Paris, we had a Night City Wire earlier this morning as of recording on Friday. You got to talk all about it. Alana hosted a post show on it. What were some of your thoughts coming out of this Night City Wire episode three? Well, let me first give Alana some more flowers and say you did a fantastic <laughs> job on that post show. I watched oh, thank the whole you. thing. Really good. Thank you. Now, yes, Night City Wire episode three. Uh, incredible. I mean, that's really the only thing that needs to be said. What CD Projekt Red has done with that open world that is Night City, the level of detail, it, it was just, it was outstanding. I'm watching, if you saw me on the live stream, I'm just the whole time like, wow, wow, wow. That's all I could say because I see why it's taken them eight years to make this mm-hmm. game because you can tell this this team has put their heart and soul into this, the passion that they put into this game, it's clearly showing on the screen right now. It's it's incredible. Again, that's all I can say. And only 70 gigs. I don't know how this game runs. That's the thing that gets me. How does it function? So I said on the post show today, it was like, well, you know, the maybe even during the show, um, I was like, the elevators, uh, probably loading screens, a lot of devs do that. Uh, but they even have like the cool TV spots in them. And then the dev corrected me and was like, those actually aren't loading screens. And I was like, then... Where are you loading the game? Like, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh, it's, it's nuts. It's so big, so much smaller than we expected. Lower PC specs than we expected. Um, and again, I don't know where it loads. All of those details people were putting in the garbage, like, by hand. Like, it's just... The only thing that I'm not sure about, that I'm still not sure about, because I didn't get to try it, I don't know if you did, Paris, um, is... The melee combat i didn't get to punch anyone and the one thing in this night city wire that i was like mm, was watching one of the fights with um one of the animals i don't know how that's gonna feel i did when i, I when you go with the maelstrom game when you're trying to get the uh the spider the spider bot or mm-hmm. whatever it's called um i did do melee in there 
and it wasn't the best. That was kind of one of one of my pieces of feedback uh, during my session was it was like the melee still feels slightly off. And I know they've acknowledged that since then they've worked on it. So it will be interesting to see uh, when the final game comes out, how it improves. Yeah. Just one small note on the specs, because I saw they got published today as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much has changed over the years, but back in the day when I was editor of PC Gamer magazine, one of the things that we learned to apply as a rule of thumb is that the recommended specs are really the minimum specs, and the minimum specs are a joke. Um, it's always in the publisher's interest to kind of lower the, make those specs as low as possible so mm -hmm. as to not, you know, freeze people out or put them up. Oh, I don't have a PC that can run this. They really want to give you the bare minimum. When I saw those specs, what was it, like a 1060 or something? I was yeah. like, there's no, if you want to have the kind of experience that you're seeing in the footage, those specs, are, I guarantee you, those specs are not going to do it. You're going to need a lot more hardware than note. that. They did say, um, well, I saw this on Twitter, but they did say that closer to launch, they will basically talk about the ultra settings, 4K, right. ray tracing, all that, which we know is going to be clearly a lot higher spec than what they showed today. I think yeah, the, I mean, the one other thing that I really want to see from them that I'm just going to start bringing up more often because I realize this stuff only happens if you bring it up in places like this is the accessibility settings. We don't know those yet, meaning that there is a massive community of gamers who have no idea if they can play this game yet. Um, we get, uh, I was talking to Steve Saylor, who's uh, the blind gamer about it. And he was like, we know that you can customize your dick size, but we don't know if I can play this game. So I just want to bring that up for anyone who's watching. Please give us accessibility options for uh, Cyberpunk and, I think, and I all think of your a, other games. I think for a game of this size and visibility and given where it's coming, like in our current moment where we've cut, we've, we've, we've kind of crossed that, that Rubicon, right? Like it's no longer acceptable to not have robust accessibility options in your game like that with that ship has sailed. we now live in an age where you've got to have those things or you know, there's, that's no longer a luxury that's a that's a basic requirement so i would be very surprised if they're if they're not launching at least with you know the the basics but you know games like the last of us part two have shown just how far you can go in making a game like truly accessible to like almost everybody so i, I do hope that they they carry on in that tradition. And just announce it. That's sort of my thing is like, talk about that stuff before launch so people don't have to spend uh, a $60. I was speaking to a disabled gamer who said Game Pass is great in part for them because they don't have to buy something, play it for an hour and then realize they can't even play it at all. Game right. Pass, people with disabilities, the option to just test games that they would otherwise have to buy, which is like something I never would have considered. Uh, so just trying to put more pressure on companies to announce their accessibility settings earlier because we still don't know them for Cyberpunk. But generally, otherwise, love the Night City Wire. Glad to hear there's another one coming before the game comes out. Like, I love watching them. They're so much fun. Yeah. Hey, Ursula, you'll be doing another live reacts to Night City Wire episode four. <laughs> I got to make sure people know where yeah. to find you there. They, right. re they really couldn't be launching it at a, at a better time, like right on the cusp of a new generation of console hardware and a new generation of... Graphics cards, obviously, all happening. Mm -hmm. So even if you're on PC, you know, if you if you're able to um, to splash the cash on a on a on a 30 series card, though that that you know, and the Series X and the and uh, PlayStation Five, but no one really cares about that. Um, it's th those are the systems that are going to run this game the way that you're seeing it, you know, in the trailers. You know, they they're not. I guarantee you, the footage that you're they're showing you ain't running on a minimum spec PC. No. It's running on something <laughs> a lot beefier than that. All right, well, a lot of cyberpunk talk. Cyberpunk, one of my most anticipated games of the year, and coming out of E3 last year, I could not wait for this game. So a little sad about the delay, but happy we're right on the cusp of getting this big game. And talking about a lot of hardware, talking about things moving forward, on today's show, we'll be talking about Xbox pre-orders for next week to make sure you can get the next generation of consoles with Xbox. We'll be talking about cloud gaming and all that and more. But let's jump into the housekeeping news Really quick, of course, this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and podcast services around the globe. You can catch the latest and greatest X-Cast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Like the video and share it with all your friends. We got Paris on, and I know all of you Kind of Funny best friends absolutely love and adore him. So go check him out on all of his stuff and say, hey, Harris was on the Kind of Funny X-Cast because people love that. This mm -hmm. is another Kind of Funny Xbox weekend, so enjoy the X-Cast. And then on Sunday, enjoy Greg Miller's first ever playthrough of Halo Combat Evolved. That's right. We are just going level by level, episode by episode, week by week here with Greg and Halo. So make sure to tune into that. Let us know in the comments what you think of Greg's play. He did call the Warthog like a Puma or something wrong. So always make sure to never let Greg live that down. 
Uh, let's jump into it. This week, guys, we had the big PlayStation event. And I know we're an Xbox podcast, but we do have to talk about what happened after that and how you, the best friends out there, can be better prepared for what we will see next week on the 22nd. So I tried to get my PlayStation pre-orders, Alana, Gary, and Paris, and it was a wild one out there. We left that PlayStation conference, and they said, that was it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Maybe we'll give you a time. And I was left befuddled. I was like, what the heck is happening? I thought I should have a time or at least a guaranteed window to get this pre-order. And it became madness shortly after that. Twitter blew up. Walmart selling things. Target, Amazon. Everybody and their mother was selling PlayStations before I or many others were probably even ready. So I guess let's go around the horn. Let's talk about this madness. Paris, I'll kick it over to you since you're the guest for the week. What did you think about this PlayStation 5 pre-order? To be blunt, it was chaos. <laughs> that, that, that's my answer to that. Uh, kind of like you're saying, I'm, I'm watching the live stream and then we were kind of doing a wrap-up live stream and like real time, I'm seeing Jeff Keeley tweeting out, yep, pre-orders are, you can get it now. And then I start seeing people going to Walmart and Target. And then I went to Amazon and I got the all digital version, you know, and just, it was, it was chaos because there was no preparation. No one knew what to expect. And, you know, I even got my email of doom uh, today from Amazon to not necessarily guarantee that I'm going to get the PlayStation 5 at launch. So I think to keep it short and simple, they could have done a lot better job of this. Gary, you're still on the hunt. Have you found your PlayStation? Are you worried about this? Like you were the one I was reading on Twitter, missing your shot after shot after shot. You okay? Oh, I was venting all of my frustrations on uh, on on Twitter, Mike, as I'm sure you you saw. Um, yeah, it was very frustrating. Hey, look, wild one. That's one way to put it. Shit show. That would be another way to describe <laughs> it. That would be my uh, preferred uh, description for it. Yeah, it was very, very poorly handled. And everyone's pointing fingers like, was it Walmart that kind of that, that kind of went off the reservation first in terms of, um, you know, breaking, I don't know what you would call it, street data or whatever. Like this was, it seems like it wasn't supposed to happen this way. And the Jeff Keighley video that's been resurrected uh, is the one, an interview that he did with someone at Sony where the Sony person was saying, don't worry, you'll get plenty of notice. We'll make sure that you know when the pre-orders are going live. That, of course, didn't happen. It was a total clusterfuck. Everyone was like racing around. Wario 64 is doing his thing, you know, go here. They're, they're back in stock here. They're back in stock there. Click on this link. Click on that link. By the time you get to the link, it's already gone. Um, I honestly don't know based on my experience yesterday, and this is definitely something to think about as, as we get into the Xbox, the console we actually want to pre-order here on the Xcast next week, if it's going to be that much different. You know, right now we're giving Microsoft plaudits for saying, hey, we, you know, we're doing this right. We're telling you the exact day, date, and time when pre-orders will be available. We're not like ambushing you with it the way that Sony did this week. Will it make much of a difference? I don't know. We saw a, we saw a second try at it yesterday where Walmart announced ahead of time, hey, 6 p.m. Pacific, exactly. That's when more stock's going to go available. I was on that Walmart website at 5.59 with my credit card, with my shipping details, details with my Walmart account, everything ready to go. I was ready to click for you in a few seconds. Within 10 seconds, it, it was out of stock. These scumbags, these fiends, these subhuman <laughs> trolls who run these automated bots yeah. that just that hoover them all up. And then 30 seconds later, they're all on eBay at four they're times the markup. already on eBay. It's absurd. I don't have words for these yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. And, and, we, and we saw it with the NVIDIA cards too. I mean, yep. it, it's the same every year. or the, every, every big launch, every big console. I don't know why we expected any, any different. It was handled, I think, very, very terribly by Sony this past week. I did manage to get a disc version, which is not what I want. Although I just got the email from Amazon today. Is it a, see the latest, the latest drama? Um, it's like, there's always like another plot twist, uh, but you might not get it on launch day. And like, everyone's posting that. I don't know who's getting a PlayStation five on launch day at this point. Nobody, apparently, uh, based on the emails that I'm seeing going out, this handled very, very poorly. It seems like Microsoft are, have a better system in place or are being more transparent, whether or not though, that's going to lead to any difference in our ease of getting uh, a Series X or a Series S placed uh, uh, pre-order next week, who the hell knows? Because these, bot, these scalpers is. are out there and there's nothing no, we can do about them. It's so hard no matter what. I don't know that this whole thing was Sony's fault. I sort of feel like it was a lot of the retailers jumping the gun and not uh, respecting their attempts. Um, 
regardless, it is, uh, uh, yeah, a clusterfuck, I feel like, is the right term. Um, I do feel like the same issue is going to happen with the Xbox next week when they go live. Thank God we have more notice, though. Like, definitely appreciate that and the transparency on that, like you said. Uh, the thing that I keep wanting to bring up, just because I'm seeing it and because I came from retail, is don't get mad at your customer service reps. Please try to remember that. It is not their fault that this stuff is happening. Uh, I did work in an EB Games during the last console launch, and it was disastrous. And you get abused a lot. People get mad when you don't have stock, and you're like, I have nothing to do with this. So just remember that these people are doing their jobs. <laughs> They're not trying to prevent you from getting consoles. And further uh, that, like with the whole email going out from Amazon today of like people trying to ship this stuff to you. Remember, we are in a pandemic. We are in an unprecedented time. So um no matter what, if you secure your, your pre-order for this console, uh, for either consoles, and it's not coming day and day, just understand, like, people are trying, they are working, they are kind of risking themselves out there to, to get you what, what you want, right? Mm. Um, there are so certainly people that. to blame, but the people oh, yeah. to blame aren't the customer service reps or exactly. the people doing the physical shipping. Mm -hmm. um, right. But I don't know how they even clean this up at this point. I figured no matter what, these consoles are going to be really hard to get. Like, everyone wants one. I remember yeah, the Switch having a bunch of problems, too. It seems like the disc version of the PlayStation 5 was easier to get. That's yeah. I was able to get a pre-order at, at two different places. At, you know, so at least I've got a backup in case one doesn't come through, as the Amazon one seems like, who, who knows? Uh, that wasn't the one that I wanted. Um, initially, I kind of felt like my, my, my takeaway was, wow, the digital one's really hard to get. That must be the one that people really want. Maybe the future is digital after all. People are really responding to this discless version. But it seems like, anecdotally, the reason why they were that much harder to get is that Sony's hardly made any of them. The, the anecdotal information I'm hearing from, like, multiple GameStop locations is, oh, yeah, they had, like, 20 disc versions and two digital editions. So that I, may, I, I don't know how seriously Sony is taking this digital edition. Maybe they just put it out there so that they could claim that lower price point and say, hey, starting at $399, but it's not really because you can't get your hands on it. So I don't know what their strategy is. Um, I, I don't know why they would be more supply constrained on a version of the console that requires fewer parts. It seems like that would be the easier one to make. Um, but it, it, I, my guess is that Sony's just chosen to make fewer of them. Harris, I believe you've called the discless Sony PlayStation 5 the unicorn of this console yes. generation me, race right here. Give me the conspiracy theory. <laughs> and I, hat, I, I, I think Barrett and all the best friends would love to know, is Sony taking away the shine, which we'll talk about later on as well, and we'll continue to talk about, are they taking away the shine of that 299 Xbox Series S with this price and with this discless version at 399 Yeah, I, Gary kind of touched on this already. I think... It had to be $399 because there is a $299 Series S. To, and we know that $399 price works. But also the technology inside the PlayStation 5, they're clearly taking a huge loss at $399. So like Gary said, I think this is clearly a marketing term to say starting at $399. But like Alana alluded to, these things are going to sell out anyway. It doesn't matter what the price is. So you flood the market with the more expensive one. They're going to sell out anyways. True. And then as manufacturing costs start to go down next year, now you start to introduce more of those all digital versions. So the fact that I even got one uh, on launch or on the pre-order day or before pre-order day, I was shocked because I, I've thought this conspiracy the entire time that there just simply will not be a lot of them. So none, none of this surprises me at, at all. But that's the disk drive doesn't cost a hundred dollars either. No, so yeah, it's like about thirty bucks, right? So they are yeah. probably making more profit on that version. Um, mm -hmm. it, I, I wish that they were even because I'm so curious about the quantity, uh, including for those Series S and Series X. I do really want to see because it's so it's so easy to forget when we live in a bubble. We play a lot of video games. We live in places that have fast internet. How does the rest of the world actually approach having a disc or not? Like, is mm. that something that is important to people at large? I know it probably isn't to us. In theory, I always want the premium hardware. So I kind of do want the disc versions of, of, I mean, I want the X anyway. That's a different discussion. But I kind of do want the, like, more extreme option. I don't really even know why I feel that way. I suppose I still watch uh, DVDs on my um, PlayStation semi-regularly. Uh, so it's, it, it'd just be interesting to see how the sales actually compared if they were even. Because I, I think really I th don't know what the general consensus is. I, th I think I think what it's doing is, it, especially to bring this back to Xbox, is creating like a really interesting picture now in terms of what you know what your console options are going to be this holiday and beyond. Typically, what you see is two consoles, one from each uh, of the major uh, companies at roughly the same price, and then you know you figure out figure out the rest. 
Now we've got three consoles launching into the holiday at a wide range of price points. You've got the Series S kind of camping out at that value price point. We touched on it last week. I, I believe it is true next generation gaming that's good enough for most people. For most people that don't care about 4K, the Series S is going to scratch all your next generation itches. And Microsoft basically owned that, that lower price point uh, tier for a lot of people. And then at the high end, uh, as we suspected, you've got the Series X and the PlayStation 5 at the exact same price, and that's pretty much the battle that's been going on forever for pre in previous generations. But I said last week when we talked about the Series S, Microsoft have kind of like you know thrown down the gauntlet here, and now Sony needs to respond. That discless uh, PlayStation 5, again, if you can get it at $399, I didn't think they would come in that cheap. That's really, really aggressive. So now you've got like three consoles covering basically a $200 variation in price yeah. from the super cheap one, the Series S, the premium, premium ones at 500 But now this interesting one kind of in the middle that's making me wonder and making me wish that Microsoft would make a discless Series X at that same price because that's the one I would want as well. So maybe that's something that Microsoft will add to their you know portfolio going into next year. I would love to see an all-digital uh, Series X at 399 uh, Now that Sony has kind of claimed that kind of middle ground territory, uh, Microsoft may may feel the need to respond to that with with a new version uh, going into next year. But I think that's going to be really interesting because there's just so much choice. And it's mm -hmm. going to be almost confusing for consumers this year because like, do I want the really cheap one that's just good enough, but it's not super high end? Uh, do I want true, true, true next-gen gaming, but without the disk drive and I save a bit of money? Or do I want to go in all in at the high end with the, with the full-on PlayStation 5 and the Series X? And then it's about, you know, you know, all the other reasons why you choose between one of those two platforms. It's going to be a really, really interesting and very, very hard to predict picture because of all these different SKUs and all these different prices and configurations. Yeah, I love the power of choice, Gary. I think you went over it well, detailing all the options that we have as gamers out here in the world now in 2020, heading into a new generation. I think back to the 360 and PlayStation 4. I think back of the PlayStation 3 and the 2 and all the different console launches. And now I feel confident having the choice in my hands, right? I could stick with my Xbox One and not upgrade if I choose to do so. I can jump over and play on the PC. I can play now with cloud gaming on my mobile device with a bunch of games over there. Or I can choose one of these options from PlayStation 5 and the Series S and X. I think the gamers now have the opportunity to choose what they want, when they want. And there's options for any price range along with Xbox All Access that we talked about. That gets me excited as a gamer to have the choice in my hands now. Yeah, I think that, I think that's exactly right. And I think that the it's 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 been a really interesting game of, of ping pong between Sony and Microsoft, especially in terms of those aggressive price points, you know, the Series S, like a lot of people were really surprised by that. I was like, wow, your move, Sony. I think Sony's move has now been to kind of occupy that middle ground territory. We can say, look, no real, okay, no disk drive. But other than that, like in terms of the performance and the games and the 4K and the 8K and the HDR and the frame rate and all the like, high-end boxes that you want to check, Sony now can claim to offer the best value because they've got they've got a they've got a, a true next gen console which is a hundred bucks a hundred bucks cheaper than the Series X if you don't care about a disk drive which a lot of people don't these days so um, I think a lot of people that are sitting down unless you're, unless you're like a Super Sony uh, fan or a Super Microsoft fan and basically you've, you already made your choice between these consoles were even announced for everyone that's kind of on the fence the kind of the swing voter going into you know this holiday and beyond in terms of what console they want to get. They've got a really interesting, almost almost kind of paralyzing uh, selection of choices. There's so much to think about in terms of what what level you want to buy into this next generation app. XCloud now too. Yeah, that too. Game Pass, Sony, obviously with this uh, you know, slightly enhanced PlayStation Plus stuff, but it's still not on the Game Pass level. They're trying. I thought yeah. I thought you know the ability to play the, the, a lot of the kind of the PlayStation Four favorites on PlayStation Plus is going to be good, but. They still don't have the cloud solution. They still don't have the the the, the compelling Game Pass offering that Microsoft has. A, a lot of people are still saying, and I agree, that that could be the big different, differentiator uh, going forward. But yeah, it's like I challenge anyone to kind of prognosticate and predict like where this is going to go in the in the months and years to come because we've never really seen a, a launch like this where the where Sony and Microsoft are coming in with like such different options. It's mm -hmm. usually, and here's two boxes, roughly the same, maybe a difference in price, but they're pretty much the same. That's not the case this year. There's like a whole range of different boxes at different prices, different specs, and um, a lot, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot for people that are looking in, looking to jump into next gen uh, to think about before they buy.
it's a fascinating one and doesn't feel like a console war anymore. I've said this before. I've like these companies are doing different things. We can't use the metric of which box sold the most, especially when there are so many boxes. It's just a whole different game plan now. Um, and I, as as a gamer, just in general, feel like there are a lot of cool games that I'm excited about across the board. So bring it on. No, I think it. that's a good point. I've always said that micro, the Microsoft and Sony stuff is kind of boring, just like it was with Nintendo and Sega. Because generally, when it's a two horse race like that. Those two companies have historically kind of done the same thing. There wasn't yeah. a whole lot to choose from between the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 3. Um, uh, sorry, you know, you know the, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, the ones we have right now, are basically the same box. They're really not terribly different. 90% of the games are the same. The price is the same. There's not. It really just comes down to your personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nintendo's typically been the one, being, been the one off the same. Well, we're just going to do something radically different. This isn't radically different, but what Microsoft is doing with these two very different tiered SKUs and the, the more out-of-the-box offering, you know, well, xCloud's a thing now. Game Pass is a thing now. Stuff that isn't just about, well, what comes in the box when I open it. It's a very different strategy. And again, I think it's, it, that's why it's going to be hard to predict because there's no precedent for going into a, into a new hardware generation with, with now th- three companies that are all doing pretty different stuff in terms of you know, the offering they're making to their potential customers. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. The, cho- the power of choice. You got to love it. On top of that, last week we got to break down the Series S, but we really didn't get to pose the question with everybody here. And now that we have Paris, we can ask this question to everybody. Are you guys worried about the Series S becoming outdated quickly here and possibly going to the wayside or becoming something totally different? Paris, when you look at these specs, they're very close to the X. It's really just that graphical fidelity that we talk about, the you know native 4K to the upscaling and the 1080p and 1440 what are your thoughts on the S? Is this a smart consumer purchase or down the line, are you going to get phased out too quickly? Is that worry in the back of your mind? No, I don't think it's going to get phased out anytime soon. And I actually think of all these consoles and all these choices, I think the S is going to wind up being the big winner out of all of this because not only at its price, clearly, but we're, we're going to find out really quick how many people care about 4K. And I don't yeah. think it's a lot. And the fact that it's $299, it doesn't need to do 4K. It can do all the next-gen things that people would actually care about, the fast load times, things like that, 60 frames per second in a lot of these games. I always use my wife as the barometer. If I didn't exist and she had to walk into a Best Buy and go get a video game system for my kids, she is going to get $299, $299. She's going to go get that because it's cheap and it's an Xbox. It does everything that you want it to do. She doesn't even know what 4K is. Well, I hope she didn't hear me. But um, <laughs> but the point is, it's going to be the better value. And I really think this holiday, if they make enough of them, that's the one that Xbox is going to sell the most of over the X, in my opinion. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. I think. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go, go ahead, Mike. It. No, oh, I was going to say to Paris's point. To to Paris's point, just real quick, I think that you know the again the three price points are really really compelling. The 299 Series S is going to hoover up a lot of people because price for many people is the number one factor and it's by far the cheapest uh, offering. And it's a pretty good box. A lot of people are really impressed by what's in the Series S. But if you think, if you can like squeeze, maybe you're not going to go an extra 200 up to the Series X. But if you don't care about that disk drive and if you're looking at the Series S, you apparently already don't. Maybe you're thinking, ah, if I could squeeze an extra 100 bucks, I could get get that digital PlayStation 5. True, true, true 4K next-gen gaming um it's not that you know the 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 war now i think is not between like the series s and the and the big fat playstation 5 or even or even the series x but the the series s and the digital playstation 5 where there's a big difference in performance maybe not a massive difference in price so i think that that's going to be an interesting battleground sorry alana no no it's okay it's so funny watching people cut each other off of a digital yeah um i i mean it's just i i think i agree with both of you it's just great value I really think that that's the thing that matters the most. Um, do I have concerns about the Series S? Look, I, I've said this before that I think that Microsoft's strategy going forward is likely that they will iterate on consoles more frequently, more in line with what Nintendo did with, say, the DS era. I think we will continue to get more consoles more regularly, so maybe the S will be outdated in two years. Um, but that would probably tie into Xbox All Access, where they auto-upgrade you without changing your your price or whatever, like a phone. That, again, is totally a theory, but that's what I feel like is happening. Um, I have no fears where that's concerned at all. 
I guess like you could make an argument for the Series S not being true next gen in terms of hardware in that it's not 4K, but it's still playing all the next gen games. So ultimately games and largely third party games sales show other things that are most important to gamers. <laughs> it's not really the hardware. It's not even necessarily the controller. It's third party titles. Uh, so you know that those are going to be available on the S for two ninety nine. It's it's great value. Um, I'm glad it exists on the market for people who have in the past found the barrier for entry to get into you know new hardware or get new games too high. Um, ultimately, very in support of it. Make everything cheaper for gamers. Spe- speaking of, I don't, know if, I don't know if this is really settling in, but it looks like it might be emerging that if you want to buy Assassin's Creed or you know whatever you know whatever the next big third, uh, Call of Duty or whatever, you might be paying ten bucks more on mm. PlayStation. It looks like so. It looks like they're settling in on that seventy dollar price point. Where where uh, on Xbox, it looks like they're stick. They haven't mentioned anything about that. It looks like it's still sticking at sixty. So if you're looking to save money going forward, ten bucks you know cheaper for each game is something to think about as well. Well, that'll be published by publisher, right, surely? Like, I know 2K is going up to 70. I believe Rockstar wants to go up. I mean, that's, I guess, because they both take two, but they want to go up to 70. It seems like they're, they're, they're just doing it differently based on which game is doing it. I know, like, even EA, though, are giving you free upgrades for FIFA cyberpunk right. i believe is the same price it's all over the place and that's going to be yeah, confusing is. as hell too mm-hmm. yeah it's like, going to take a while for this what? picture to emerge for sure yeah mm-hmm. i think microsoft will try to hold on to that for their first party titles where they do control the price are going to are going to try to make that argument as well and maybe keep that stuff at, at 60 for a while uh, i just longer. maintain that if you're interested in buying any first party xbox game just get game Pass. just get yeah, just, just seriously just get game Pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for the Xbox Series S and thinking about the future. Me and my friends have speculated all the what-ifs, right? And I think the one that gets me mostly excited and, of course, one of our heads of Kind of Funny, Tim Geddes, has brought it up before, is that Xbox streaming stick, right? That one Google Chromecast or whatever where you can plug it into the back of your your uh, TV and just start streaming, right? I think of the Xbox Series S and in two years, if we do come out with another skew like Alana said or another spec to this, what if this and cloud gaming come together and become, here's your streaming box, right? It's small enough to put in your backpack, drive around, go see your friends, and hook it up to the internet, and we'll start streaming games directly to it if it is ever going to be phased out power-wise or, you know, anything internally. I think that's really exciting to think about. Look, I and do I have that does. for Stadia. I have my little little Chromecast thing that sits behind my TV. I can't even see it. It's so small. And I know a lot of people hate Stadia. I've ultimately had a positive experience because it works for me. But gen- I literally can't see it. I just have to turn my controller on and then hit play a game and then the game's there. Getting to do that with the Xbox library, especially where I don't have to repurchase games and I have access to a lot more stuff on Game Pass, I'm into that future. It's just that that future is not um, readily available to a lot of people right now. I know they don't even have xCloud in Australia. So I had that thought of like, if I want to go home for Christmas and I get used to playing on my xCloud now on, on the phone or whatever, I'm going to go home and be like, damn, where's it gone? Which, which really sucks. So room for improvement there. But yeah, I, I genuinely um, like the streaming services and I'm glad we have that option. I would love to see Xbox give me a VR option. That's the thing I always feel like they're missing. Where's that Xbox VR? That would be a ton of fun. Paris, are you into Xbox VR? I know I have a PlayStation VR and I, I personally love it. I don't use it that much. So I, I am a little worried about buying another VR headset, but if Xbox would do VR, like Alana said, I'm in for that. No, I'm I'm definitely into it. I was actually going to get a Valve Index right before the pandemic happened. And I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't spend it <laughs> right now. But uh, yeah, I, I, I had a chance to speak to Phil Spencer um, earlier this year um, in an interview. And I said it to him directly, why don't you have VR? And he gave the explanations as to why. And it makes sense. But I think they've allowed themselves to be flexible that if VR does start to have more adoption in the future, they can pivot and maybe we'll, we'll see it on the Xbox down the road. But it does make sense for now. Just launch what you have make yeah. sure you get this right then you go worry about VR. it's so weird though because there was a conference where todd howard said something about the next xbox being able to play fallout vr on console and so they they like alluded todd howard is still the quote still there obviously alluded yeah. to xbox getting vr and then it never ended up meaning anything it's so weird it's like it's got to be in the pipeline there somewhere Maybe in some form. I don't know if they, you know, because VR has not 
you know, we were all super, super duper excited about VR a few years ago when it first emerged. It has not turned into the revolutionary thing that we hoped it would yet. It's, 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 it's still it happening. Uh, okay. I think it's getting better all the time. The hardware is getting better all the time. The, you know, the Quest 2 is coming out. The Index is really great. I think there probably will be a new rev of the PS, PSVR, you know, that's, that, that's up-spec'd. Uh, to make uh, use of PlayStation 5, Microsoft may well have something in the works. I just don't think they've felt the need to like really jump all over it uh, because you know the the um, the uptake on it has not been ex- as explosive. It's the success of VR and the prolifer- yeah. pro- proliferation of VR has not been as expansive and as broad as you know the, some of the venture capitalists you know a few years ago were hoping that it would be. So it may be that that Microsoft doesn't feel the need to kind of jump in with their version of vr yet it's still it's still like a pretty niche market i think um but i'm a big fan of it i'm looking forward to playing star wars squadrons in vr on my pc um and i think i and i I definitely think we'll see more to come what i would like to see microsoft do is basically wait until they can really get the technology right i would like a if they're going to do an xbox vr headset i'd like it to i'd like it to be fully wireless for one thing and and i don't know because we're all sick, we're all sick of getting caught up in the cables, right? When we twist around and stuff, um, and, and feeling like we're tethered to something, it's always kind of yanking our head back. When as soon as you wear like an Oculus um, Quest or an Oculus Go, and the cables go away, it's like, oh, this is the experience I actually wanted to have. That's what I use so, daily. So I work out right now in my Oculus Quest every single day. It's how I do my cardio because I'm high risk. I can't really go outside. Certainly not going to a gym. Uh, so I'm working out in oculus quest and absolutely love it and then i tried to go back to psvr recently and was like even the setup i was like oh, oh this is all so many cables so heavy and there's just, there's just so much stuff and it's a mess and i was like no it's, it's so cumbersome and <laughs> yeah. and the switch to getting the cables out of the out of the picture is so important i think that if microsoft can come up with a solution where you know it's still basically just a display it's not doing any comp- any computational stuff it's stuff it's still just a display that's receiving you know a signal from your xbox series x or whatever but until that wireless connection can be really really foolproof I would, I would, I, I would not bring something to market because we're all sick of the wires. I think we're ready for the next gen version of VR. And I, I, my, my prediction is that we will get there uh, with Microsoft during this next generation before the Series X and Series S are off sale. There, there will be some kind of VR component to it, hopefully wireless. Um, but again, given, given that it's, I don't think there is an economic mandate for Microsoft to jump into the VR market just yet because it's right. still not that big. Yeah, you're right. I, I want it as an enthusiast, but you're right that from a business perspective, it's just not necessary. Right. All right. Yeah. So we have the prices of all the consoles. Xbox Series S at $299. Xbox Series X at $499. PlayStation over on the other side, running $499 and $399. For the disc list, we're going to have November 10th and November 12th release dates. Remember that your pre-orders will go live. So I'm going to just read this. Straight from the Xbox wire, so all of our best friends can be best prepared. And then I'm going <laughs> to ask my panel for their best pre-order situations so they can tell you their awesome insider knowledge to help you be best prepared, all right? Next week, beginning September 22nd, you'll be able to pre-order both Xbox Series X, our most powerful console ever made, and Xbox Series S, our smallest console ever, delivering next-generation performance at an affordable price. Pre-orders begin September 22nd, in the United States of America at 8 a.m. Pacific time at different distribution outlets all over the globe. Microsoft Store, Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, Walmart, Target, Sam's Club, Newegg, and other participating retailers. Please go to the Xbox Wire to find out the times in your area. All starts when it comes down to pre-orders. Please set an alarm. Be prepared early. Have your information Ready to go. Shipping address, credit card information, PayPal, whatever it is that you need to use. And of course, don't get frustrated. Take a deep breath. Just know that you're going to be pounding the reload sign, just like everybody else, hoping that it pops up and refreshes for you in a timely manner. But no matter what, get out there, set your alarm, and keep it easy. Because I've learned from Hunted Thieves merch drops, from other pre-orders, that it's just going to be a crapshoot sometimes. And I don't like using foul language, but... It honest to God will be like that. You're going to see people get it early. Do not stress. Whatever you do, say the course. Crap shoot was foul language. I don't like saying foul language. You're adorable. Mike is the purest soul. (laughs) Mike's so wholesome. (laughs) 
He's just the cutest. <laughs> I will go over to Alana because she's making me blush, but she has great <laughs> retail background. Just some pre-order advice for people out there, Alana. What do you like to do when it comes down to a big pre-order? Man, it sucks and it's the worst. Um, but I can also tell you as a sneakerhead uh, that I probably do this more frequently than most people do. Um, you know, when there's a new Nike drop for new Jordans that I want, I am in there watching them, getting ready to get them uh, multiple times a year. Uh, the strat generally is just have as many different pieces of technology open as possible and also get friends to help if you can. Have an iPad, have your phone, have your PC, have everything that you're refreshing at all points in time, have your family members help even if they don't care. You just need as many points of entry as possible on those websites. Get in there kind of like Gary did five minutes beforehand, start refreshing and go from there. There's no other tip because the reality is you're competing with bots and that absolutely sucks. I wish there was something they could do about that. I definitely have beef with Nike (laughs) for how many bots pick up their cool (laughs) shoes. Um, But that, that that is genuinely the only strat I can give you is just as much hardware as possible, furiously tapping on things. Harris, you got any good ones from your uh, years of expertise here? (laughs) Years of experience, I should say. Actually, I think she's the expert because she does it way more than me. But I I would say the other again, like she have every device you possibly can have multiple browsers open so that you can try and hit every site as quickly as you can. Also, go to retailers that allow you to do one click checkout, have all that prepped with your credit cards, everything ready to go. So that if you do get it in, get it in your cart, you hurry up and hit click and, and maybe you can get it through. I would also suggest since Amazon is one of the resellers of this, remember, Amazon is literally the backbone of the Internet at this point with AWS, right? When all this commerce uh, as far as commerce goes. So if there's going to be anyone who is not going to go down during this time of, of a lot of uh, foot traffic or Internet traffic, uh, it's going <laughs> to be them. So I, I would try to lean on Amazon if you can as, as your first option and then obviously just go down the list. But it's a crapshoot. I, I just did this with with uh, NVIDIA on uh, the other day and I got nothing. So yeah. don't listen to me. Uh, do we Mary? know if any, anyone's selling them in person? I mean, I imagine they are, but oh. I don't know like how many stores are still closed across the United States. I mean, people I mean a lot of people go got to... their a lot of people got their PlayStations this week by going to a GameStop in yeah. person. I'm got I'm it. not comfortable doing that. For me, this is going to be a completely online. Right. I, I'm I'm into the next gen as much as anyone, but I'm not going to risk my literal life over it. Mm. Um, so I'll be I'll be clicking refresh with everyone else. I'll, I'll just echo the same points. I do have a similar history with this, but instead of instead of Alana's history with Nike, just so, so substitute me and Apple. Like we've all we've all we've all been through yeah. this every new iPhone launch, set an alarm for five AM, yeah. you know, because they used to do the pre-orders at really obnoxious times. Um and you know, and like the one of the tips I would got on Apple, and I heard it this week as well about PlayStation is like if you can, if the retailer has an app, use the app rather than the website. That's something put all your details in first. Yeah. And and so and again to echo what parent we've always said it is like I, I did this, it didn't help me this week with PlayStation, but at least I did it. Like it, let's say if you're gonna order from Walmart. Um, take the time to like actually create a Walmart account, make sure that your shipping and your credit card information is all correct. Because if you don't have all your ducks in a row and it holds you up for even one second in the checkout process to say, uh oh, you need to update your credit card information, the time it's going to take you to do that, your pre order is going to be gone. So by the time you, until you've actually like checked out and you've got a confirmation number, you can't really, and even then, I, I, you know, we've seen situations where people have pre-ordered it and then a day later, oh, sorry, we told you you had a pre-order, but you don't, we screwed up. It's going to be a mess. Um, I got, I, I saw all kinds of stuff this week, GameStop, oh, you've been blocked from GameStop, yeah. you know, like the blocked? Yeah, <laughs> like, I saw that. Blocking people, because I, I guess they thought it was like a DDoS attack or something, everyone logging on. The Walmart page last night looked great until I was refreshing it at like 5.58, because you, know, you, know, you, know, you don't know. Maybe they flipped the switch a minute early. You want to get in on it. At 5.59, when I refreshed it, the whole thing was just down because everyone's doing the same, same thing. And it really is like a DDoS, right, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so no matter how much extra resources they plow into the backbone of these things, Paris is right, Amazon is probably less likely to go down than anyone else under this kind of strain. But- and if they do, it destroys everything for the record. When I worked at IGN... I don't know if you were there still, Barrett. Maybe you were. We had mm. one day where Amazon service went down, which I guess meant IGN also went down. Yeah, I vaguely remember this, yeah. It was so weird. Because, it was like two hours like, of just like, 
internet stop because so many uh different sites are uh on the back end connected through uh specific servers and so yeah, yeah like amazon it wasn't just like Amazon going down. It was like specifically because they went down, they also affected that the servers that like, like Amazon and like of... half of the internet like shares yeah. too as well. Like, I, yeah, wild. I totally remember that day. And we were just like, all right, well, what do we do? I we guess we pre- leave. I don't know what we, we did. We could pre-record some stuff, I guess, for whenever Crazy. our site goes back up. Um, really, qu- uh, really quick. The question I want to pose to y'all. Because, you know, like, at the end of Sony's conference, like, all right, like, pre-orders we're saying is going up tomorrow. Uh, Me, personally, I didn't think that was a big enough heads up, whatever. Well, they didn't say it in their conference, did they? I thought it just Jeff tweeted it. Oh, it It might have been Jeff Jeff tweeting it. The end of that conference was gone. It it was all chaos, essentially, in in those, like, 20 minutes, whatever. Um, Pre-orders going tomorrow, whatever. Uh, And Mm -hmm. then... uh, Retailers start putting re, uh, pre-orders up um, in the next like thirty minutes, right? What is <clears throat> because we're we're telling people to be prepared, uh, get in there uh, thirty minutes early, whatever. Do people need to be prepared of pre-orders possibly going up on the twenty first a day early um, for for Xbox? I think I you also have... need to be prepared for the next week. Oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead, Paris. I have breaking news on this, Uh-oh. Jeff Keeley. Oh. Jeff Keighley, because clearly he knows everything that's going on, <laughs> is saying that Xbox would potentially penalize retailers with lower allocations if mm. they break the embargo date. Yeah, I was going to wow. say Microsoft, especially after, because um, they really capitalize. You notice, you know, Xbox put out a very cheeky tweet right after the PlayStation uh, debacle saying, hey, don't worry, we're going to give you plenty of time. We're not going to be like those other guys. There was very kind of... Um, you know, it's kind of their version of the, here's how you share a game. It's like, hey, you saw how they, you saw how they did it wrong? Here's how we do it right. Um, and that's a smaller thing, but it's, it was still a win for them, uh, at least in that particular news cycle. But having made that promise and having put all their chips in the middle on that, they now have to back that up. Like, if retailers, they, they, I think Paris is right, it makes a lot of sense for them to say to retailers, if you break our, our, our pre-order date on this by even a minute, we're going to penalize you heavily. So they, they really need to make sure that all their retail partners uh, are going to behave themselves so they they avoid exact because it's very avoidable, right? I don't know. I don't know how Sony didn't somehow prevent this from happening. Like, it's is it is it their fault? I kind of think it is. Like, you they need to, maybe they needed to done what Microsoft is now doing, which is saying if you like, you, there are going to be hefty hefty penalties uh, for you breaking this date and messing with our plans for the launch of this console because this was a really bad look for Sony this week uh, that these retailers that this retail clusterfuck. Uh, created for them. Microsoft needs to do everything they can to avoid that. Again, whether or not it's really going to increase this kind of more orderly process is going to result in more people getting... You can argue that it's going to be worse because now all the scalpers and all their bots know exactly when, when, where and when to be online, waiting for that countdown. They're going to start hammering those sites 30 seconds before the sites go live. And your chances of getting an Xbox next week, I think, honestly, are probably not great. Um, God's yeah. That's really all I can say to you. Maybe Good luck out there, everyone. Forever it's going to be rough. Favor, yeah. Be nice to you, customer service reps. We hope you get a console. We yeah, will be gonna, talking about be all of our pre-order stories next week. That is for sure. Remember, Xbox All Access program will still pre-order and kick off on the same thing. They have some select retailers. Like I said, please go to that Xbox tweet that Gary would have loved. Go check out Xbox Wired. They will have all of the key details you need to secure your pre-order for the next generation of gaming with microsoft and xbox we're gonna pause for just a moment because we're gonna finish up the show talking about our first impressions of cloud gaming with xbox that released on september 15th but our good friend alana aka the cyberpunk nomad has to go so i just want to say goodbye to alana allow her to give you any parting words before i give you a little bit of impressions talk it's rtx right now rooster teeth expo is currently happening online that's what i have to go do is i have to jump on an rtx panel so just yeah if you haven't checked it out we're streaming everything on roosterteeth.com slash rt slash no it's roosterteeth.com slash live slash rt dash tv all lowercase so many urls um yeah doing lots of fun stuff if it's complicated for you you just go to roosterteeth.com and then like right at that front page you can click right into the the stream Thank you for doing that for me, Barrett. I appreciate yeah. it. Have you guys already had a... Oh, yeah. We had our Kind of Funny panel uh, yesterday, and it's up uh, already on YouTube.com. So it's Kind of Funny is this week's Kind of Funny podcast. Go check that out. Beautiful. Yeah, we're doing Funhouse right now, which I guess will have been yesterday, and then I've got Inside Gaming next week. But a uh, whole week of fun events. So that's what I'm going to go do. I also have not checked xCloud next yet. Sorry. So I will update you guys next week 
when I have had a chance to play with it. No spoilers for me. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye, Alana Pierce. All right, while Barrett sets everything up, if you're watching, oh the screen's going to be moving, but we're <laughs> going to keep talking here just because we want to get everybody out in a timely manner. So, of course, you cannot see me. Harris is smiling. Gary Witt is smiling. I have an incredible box here. I, I call it the hype package, but, of course, <laughs> it is a care package. My brand is all about the hype. But a big thank you to the team over at Xbox. A big thank you to the team with Xbox on, Paris. Pass for sending Wait, this incredible package to me. <laughs> we're all going to show it to you right now here if you're watching. If you're listening, we're going to go through it. You there can you check go. Out Paris, this Twitter account, mine or Gary's. We will all have our hype packages here provided <laughs> by Xbox and the Game Pass team. So as we talk about this, welcome to the future of gaming, everyone. What this, a package. Formerly known as xCloud, is now cloud gaming on Xbox. That's right. You can play over 100-plus games on your Android mobile device right now. If you have Game Pass Ultimate, no extra charge. It's all added in, and you can immediately start gaming from the cloud. It released on September 15th. I've been part of the Project xCloud beta for what feels like almost a year, maybe nine months plus, and I've had so much fun with Project X Cloud, and now cloud gaming is what it's now known as. And man, oh man, Gary and Paris, I'll let you guys tell your side as well, but this is the future of gaming for me, right? This is what I've always dreamt of as a kid, being an Xbox guy and seeing the Vita, the Nintendo DSs, all these portable consoles. I've always wanted my Xbox games with me wherever I can go because they mean so much to me. And now, through the power of the cloud, cloud gaming is possible, and we've just had the release it's still in beta we'll call it but it's still out there to everybody in certain select countries to use and man oh man it is the coolest harris i know you got the package a little bit before me i just got it yesterday so i had a full day with it but what are some of your thoughts right now on you know the hype package you got and on top of that your experience with cloud gaming sure so i, I don't know if people actually watching this can see this is the actual <laughs> device that it's the it's a samsung note 20 and it's the razor kishi is the controller that i'm yep. using and you can also use your xbox one controller via bluetooth and control it that way as well the best way i can describe it is this um just randomly the other night i was sitting on my couch and i thought hey i've never played arkham knight on xbox it's on here why don't i try and do it two hours later sitting on my couch I had already like started to deep dive back into Arkham Knight Hell just yeah. on this device. Hell yeah. And then, <laughs> and, yeah, and it's like, okay, th this actually works. This, I, I get it now. I, I get, you know, and I, I've dabbled in, in other like Stadia and GeForce Now and things like that. But the fact that I have my entire Xbox library at my hand, well, not the entire, but, you know, 100 games at my hand, you know, at my disposal to be able to play, it's phenomenal. And I love the fact that they're just tying this into Game Pass. So, if it's Game Pass game, it's on there. I can pull it up on my portable device. Wi-Fi, 5G, it just works. I mean, of course, it's not going to be perfect. There is going to be some lag there. I think most people understand that. But I like Xbox's approach that this isn't the primary way they're asking you to play their games. It's a supplement. Like I said, I'm sitting on my couch just casually playing. But if I wanted to get into something hardcore and be competitive, okay, Hop on your Xbox, hop, hop on your PC, play that way. But just a casual way, supplement to playing games. Project X Cloud, I guess cloud gaming now, whatever they're calling it. It's great. Love it. Yeah, that's funny you brought that up, Paris, because I, you know, I wrote down some bullet points on my thoughts, right? And I wrote, wow, this is epic. The dream turned into reality. Oh, man, I played multiplayer games with my friends who were on Xbox and PC. I was able to pick up my Witcher 3 shave from like 2017 yeah. when the game released. And I sat outside on the front porch and played Witcher 3 on the Android phone. That was awesome. And then I think the biggest one I wrote in all caps, just like you said, Paris, right, is people need to understand what they're getting into with this, right? And I come from a big-time multiplayer, first-person shooter, competitive Halo, right? And unfortunately, that is not this route here, right? I played multiplayer Halo on both the Kishi and the controller with the clip, and it runs great. It plays great. But you are slower. You have a less draw distance. The screen is much smaller, of course. But you need to understand, this isn't for, hey, me and my friends are going to go rank up in Gears 5. You can do that 100%, but it's not going to be the optimal way. If you want to pick up a save, if you want to play a cool story-based game 
like after party or something like that, this is a killer option. And I think on top of that, if I was sitting on the couch next to Paris and Gary and we were having a nice hangout night, we're watching the game or Paris is showing us a new game. The coolest option is for me to be like, well, I can play right now and pull out my phone and start playing it. Right. I thought that was a cool idea to think about with my friends, which I really loved. Gary, I see you sitting over there thinking hard. Tell me about cloud gaming in your mind. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been playing with it. Um, I'm very, very appreciative that Microsoft sent this kit out because, you know, this is this is an Apple household. I'm very much an iPhone guy. And that's that's kind of a sticking point for me is there's no... There's nothing for us right now, right? In the us, us poor iOS users, there's no way into this. I'm really, really hoping that Microsoft will find a way to fix that because that's a big segment of the market. Not the biggest, but a big one. And right now we're totally frozen out. But it was very nice of Microsoft to send this box. I'm, you know, they, as, as Paris said, they included a really nice uh, Galaxy, um, uh, uh, was it the, the Note 20, right? The Galaxy yes. Note 20 5G? That's correct, yep. And I, I'm not an Android phone guy, but just as it, it's a really nice device. I'm just playing around just with the device. It's a really nice device, a really nice phone. Um, and it was nice to get the, I thought what was very smart was they sent out the whole kit to really give you, like, give you a, 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 a proper look at the different options, the ways in which you can play this thing. The Razer Kishi, I don't know why, like, let me ask you, because you play, what, what do you like? Do you like the Kishi where you basically turn your phone into a Nintendo Switch? Or do you like that cradle controller where you play with an Xbox controller? Because there's two very different ways that you can uh, hook this thing up. It depends yes, on the I'll game. Yep. Yeah, it okay. depends on the game. Like, again, when I was playing Arkham Knight, the Kishi was fine. I, I really had no issues. I noticed in Forza Horizon 4, as an example, it, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stay on the track correctly. It didn't, I didn't feel like <laughs> the control was as tight as I wanted it to be. So I prefer to use the Xbox One controller. But I like that the Kishi basically makes this, it's a switch for all yeah. intents and purposes. Yeah. But I do think it's probably going to be on a game-by-game -game basis on if I use it or not. I, I would say the primary way to potentially use it is uh, like Mike was doing with the clip and just use your Xbox One controller. Yeah, those are I really mean, good insights, Paris. Uh, for me, the moment you pick up the Razer Kishi, Gary, it feels like the Nintendo Switch. Like my reaction was to press the B button that was supposed to be A. And right. I was like, why do I keep backing out of things? But for me, I will always be a cradle guy with the phone clip because it actually feels more comfortable and makes me feel like I'm playing Xbox with yeah. the Xbox controller in hand, right. right? I brought it up. I played Halo Master Chief Collection, Halo 5, Hot Shot Racing, and a third option we'll talk about in just a moment with Minecraft Dungeons and touch controls on the phone, which was really something special to see. But the cradle and the controller, it's going to be affordable and it's going to feel good, right? That cradle does hold it balanced and it feels like you're you know, playing Xbox anywhere you are. So for me, I'm going to be a, a phone and cradle guy. I think that um, so I, I got a chance to play with it a little bit. I um, I played some battle. I picked up my Battletoads uh, save and played some Battletoads on it. And I got to admit the first because I never really done that. I've never really done cloud gaming. I've never I didn't get into Stadia because you know that was a mess. I've been waiting for X Cloud to kind of come to fruition as it now is doing. And so this week when I had my first real cloud gaming experience playing Battletoads with that phone and that Razer Kishi. There is kind of a moment in a match where you're like, holy shit, I'm playing like real Xbox games on my phone. And that's kind of amazing. And, you know, we keep talking about these entry points into the market and how cheap can you make, um, you know, the, the entry. And Microsoft seems to be placing a lot of value on value with the Series S at $299 with the all access plan where you can, you, you know, you can, get, you can get in with an installment plan and get gaming right away without a big upfront cost. The other way in, don't forget, if you're willing to go this route, and you, especially if you already have an Android phone, pick up an Xbox controller, you know, buy a controller, buy a Kishi, buy a Game Pass subscription, and you're in, it, you're in the Xbox ecosystem for very little um, upfront cost. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I have a great question coming in from one of our best friends, Cade011. He says, guys, with Game Pass Ultimate Game Streaming finally launched, it features a way to play Minecraft Dungeons without the use of a controller, much like Hellblade's The Newest Sacrifice did during the xCloud preview. What kind of games did you see having this feature added? And do you think going forward, developers will design games with this in mind? So for me, I got to play Minecraft Dungeons on just the phone touchscreen, and I was actually very impressed with it. Of course, mind you, when we think of Minecraft Dungeons, right, we don't think of overcomplicated controls. It is a very simple kind of top-down Diablo-esque, and it ran very well for me. The touchscreens were on point, precision, easy. 
My fingers didn't feel like they were taking up the whole screen where I couldn't see anything because I was touching so much. But I was impressed with how that went. Paris, did you get to try that at all? I have not. I saw some videos of people doing it. And like you're saying, I mean, it looked like it, it completely worked. Actually, I should say my co-host, Danny Pena, he used it. And he also said the same thing, that it, it was great, the touch controls. Um, I'm curious to see a game like Ori and the Blind Forest as an example, if mm. that could have some kind of touch control feature, how responsive will it be? You know, will, will, will it still have the same experience that I would have if I was using a traditional controller? Yeah, and that's it's a, I think it's a nice thing that they're offering. I think when it's appropriate in games like Minecraft Dungeons, if they can implement it, great. And again, lower the barrier to entry to certain people. Hey, you don't even need a controller. The issue is, I think, you know, for it to feel like a real Xbox game, you kind of want the controller. And we've seen many times uh, games with touch, you know, even games that are designed natively for touch controls, you know, phone games and tablet games, um, trying to replicate uh, controller controls, you know, on a touch screen. It's, it's, it's never like fully satisfying. And so I think the options that they are um, making available, whether it be the little Kishi um, cradle thing or the, or the controller grip um, are what's going to make this, you know, that's, they're, they're relatively cheap. And I think that's going to help you get closer to the feeling of, of like ha really having like an Xbox console experience with the real buttons and the real thumbsticks uh, is what's going to make the difference. Again, it's a nice to have, but I don't think it's going to be a big part of, the, of what makes this interesting. When we look forward here, guys, now that we've had the launch of cloud gaming, and yes, it's in beta right now, but we're moving forward with a lot of countries, a lot of games, Game Pass offerings here. What is your excitement levels for the future of cloud gaming with Xbox? Gary, I'll go to you first. What do you think? What could the future hold for what we're going to do here with cloud gaming? I was just thinking about this, and I think uh, one of us touched on it earlier, the idea that I, I do think that down the road, probably pretty soon, you are going to see some kind of very cheap dongle a Microsoft branded X, an official Xbox dongle, like a thumbstick or like the Chromecast Ultra that comes with the Stadia kit. Plug it into your HDMI port on the back of the TV. You never see it. It does all the streaming. It interacts directly with your, uh, you know, uh, with the controller or the controller's plugged directly into Wi-Fi uh, like it works with Stadia. And as long as you've got a good internet connection, you can have the full fat Xbox gaming experience on your big TV um and you know hopefully no compromises at all for, for what, what 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 would they sell that for 99 bucks maybe even with a controller that would be pretty pretty compelling especially again since sony doesn't have anything in this space right now that i don't that i think is in any way as good or as, or as fully developed or as mature as what microsoft has i think they need to be doubling down on the things that they are doing uh uniquely that's better than what sony is offering right now uh, I think like a some kind of $99 SKU where there's like a little HDMI uh, doodad and an Xbox controller. Here's here's your um, your ex your you know your your cloud gaming with Game Pass. Uh, you know, throw in a year of a Game Pass subscription or whatever. Uh, make it a really compelling price, uh, and I think you would get a lot of people interested. Paris, what do you think? I actually would take that one step further on what Gary... Oh, take it to the next level. <laughs> and say, and because clearly they already have a partnership with Samsung, right? So I do see a scenario where it's literally just built, the app is just built... Oh, into right into the TV. smart TV, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you don't need to have any extra accessory other than grab your Xbox One controller yeah. via Bluetooth and you can go from there. I mean, you think um, about it, TVs ship now with like Amazon and Netflix exactly. and Hulu logos on them. Why not add that Game Pass logo? Yeah, just have the Xbox app just right there ready to go. And the other side of that, I would say, I, I'm thinking more as we move forward, this is going to kind of like we're already seeing with the Series X and S, fast load times, instant response. With the cloud technology basically baked into the console itself, I don't know, Halo Infinite comes out and while you're quote unquote downloading it, you know, onto your hard drive, you have instant access to it via cloud streaming. You just start playing right away while the rest of the game downloads and then it just seamlessly can switch over when it's done. Something like, like that. that. Too, yeah. Yeah. So there's totally a lot of potential. I think the biggest thing is just going to be infrastructure and obviously Microsoft, Azure, just the global data centers. They've already pre-built a lot of it. But as we start to see more of that, like I even saw Phil Spencer talking about xCloud is going to be available in Australia. So as it spreads out to more of the world, you're, it's just going to allow more people to get hands-on games instantly. And whether it's the perfect experience, it's not going to be right away. But at least you can kind of try it before you buy it kind of scenario. And then if you see a game, hey, I really like that. Now you go download it on your Xbox and you continue to play it. I mean, especially if you're already, if you already have that Android phone, as so many people yeah. do, 
like and you've already and you've got that game pass subscription you know give it a try well you know what, what's the cost of giving it a try and again my my right. initial first experience am i going to play be playing flight simulator on it probably not but there's a lot of games out there that are and here's the thing like a lot a lot of the games are just not going to translate like when parents was talking about arkham knight I was, thinking, I was thinking, but I don't want to play that on a tiny little screen. That's the kind of game that I want to play on a big, big screen. And that's why I think that the, um, the, the HDMI dongle, the, you know, the $99 thing that we're speculating about is going to be great because, again, that's, like, that, that's the full fat experience, 65-inch TV, whatever you've, whatever you've got at home, um, but almost no barrier to entry. I think there are some games like Minecraft Dungeons uh, that, that seem like they would translate very well to a small screen. But no, I don't. I, I I don't want it, and that's why I picked Battletoads because Battletoads felt like a game that I'd be perfectly happy to be playing that on the Switch or on a handheld system. But there is, but there are certain big games that I always want to reserve uh, for the big screen. These guys hit the nail on the head for me. Of uh, the far future, right? I think when I think of right now and moving forward in the next six months, next year, two years, right? I look forward to more games on Game Pass being added. Then eventually, my whole Xbox library being added, where I could be anywhere and click on any title and we're going. And then the next step of big third-party titles being involved in this and then the future of the dongle or a streaming box. But man, oh man, cloud gaming with Xbox has me super hyped from the bottom of my heart. I'm really excited. Of course, all of us did receive that package. So thank you to Microsoft and Xbox one more time. But I'll tell you this. If you're interested, $1 to sign up for Game Pass Ultimate for the first month, $14.99 after that. If you have an Android phone, guess what? You're in to go. If you had a mobile device with Androids, you're good to go. This Razer Kishi will fit in the back of your pocket. You don't have to bring around the cradle and an Xbox controller if you don't have the room. This is a killer combo right here for sure when I think about running around town and playing games. And man, oh man, I'm excited for the future. So let us know down in the comments section below if you've gotten hands-on time with cloud gaming with Xbox. And let me know your thoughts on this one. Of course, we're wishing you nothing but the best heading towards pre-order day on September 22nd, 8 a.m. for the United States folks out there. Check Xbox Wire if you don't know your times and you don't know who to buy it from, but be ready and best of luck to you. Before we leave, I'm putting Paris on the spot because I know all the kind of funny best friends love him, enjoy his content. They can go find him all over the internet and everything he does. But Paris, here on the show, we got a fun segment called Game Pass, Play, or Smash, that download button. So Paris, I want to know, What's a special one you got in your back pocket so these guys and gals know what you've been playing and what you enjoy on Game Pass? Oh, yeah. You did put me on the spot. Actually, oh, yeah, I did. I got, I'm, I firing, didn't I'm firing up my Xbox app as we speak. You know what You know what it is? Flight Simulator. I mean, that Killer. would be the one I'm enjoying. I mean, clearly you need a, a monster PC right now to be able to do it. And I can't wait until they announce it comes on the Series X because I think it's a showcase. So that would absolutely be one on Game Pass if you can right now experience it absolutely go out and go grab it perfect all right i love that gary Whittle, i'll give you one more second do you have one or are we rolling I'm, i mean i'll just echo parents i'm super excited to see how well um flight sim is going to perform on series x right that's we all know how it works on super high-end pcs can that'll be the first real test of like the series x compared to a high-end pc like how how and we'll, and we'll see all those comparisons i'm sure as soon um as it drops you know, my, I, you and I have been talking about this. We, I think it's finding time for us to kind of shit or get off the pot here. Let's, I'm, I'm going to fire up Gears 5. Let's get into that horde mode. I'm craving it. All right. I'm looking at it right here. It. Gears 5 Ultimate Edition. It's sitting here on my Game Pass right now. Let's get it done. Next week, me and Gary will report back with our full playthrough of Gears 5 horde mode. The last time I played it was the day of launch on Gears 5. We made it to the final level and everybody got disconnected. It was four hours of just absolute pain and torment that I'll oh never forget. But we're going to tell you all about it next week. This has been episode 10 of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, for Alana Pierce, Gary Witta, and my good friend, your good friend, Paris. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy. <laughs>